Welcome to Scope of Practice, a podcast that opens the window for an inside look at different practice groups and the lives of attorneys in those groups here at Ropes and Gray. I'm Yoni Levy, a partner in our asset management group based in Boston. On this episode, I'm joined by Camille Backrack, an associate in litigation and enforcement, and by Jesse Vrikin, an associate in the private capital transactions group, both based in New York. In this episode, we're going to explore the pro bono practice here at Ropes and Gray after we hear a bit more about Jesse and Camille's primary practice areas. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Camille. Hi, Yoni. Hi, Yoni. Thanks for joining. Um, I think everyone will be excited to hear about the pro bono opportunities and, and what you've worked on. But before we before we get into that, why don't we open with a bit of background about yourselves, your practice group at Ropes and Gray, and, and how you landed in that practice group? Of course. So I'm Camille. Um, I'm a third-year associate in LEPG, which stands for Litigation and Enforcement Practice Group. I mostly work on internal investigations and government enforcement work, which includes interfacing with the DOJ, SEC, FTC, and other government regulatory bodies following a subpoena or request for documents. I also work on private equity deal teams with diligence regarding anti-corruption matters and international risk. And most recently, I've had the opportunity to work on SEC exams and the enforcement work that can sometimes come out of those exams. Interesting. Jesse? So I'm in the in the private capital transactions group. So this group houses three busy teams of private equity transactions, capital solutions, and leverage finance. So my practice is equal parts regular way private equity transactions and capital solutions. So that's that's dealing with distressed companies, special situations, et cetera. So it's all corporate work on my end. And how did you wind up in that group? Prior to joining Ropes, uh, I worked primarily in capital markets um, in Canada, actually. And, and I always found that private M&A that I did touch um, to be much more interesting. So when I was looking to move to New York, I focused on private M&A at Ropes and ended up landing on the team I'm on today. Did you work at a law firm in Canada or you were on the business side? I worked at a law firm in Western Canada yeah, for about a year before I moved out this way. Oh, nice. That's great. And Camille, how about you? How did you wind up in in your subset of litigation work? Yeah, of course. So I was a paralegal for two years at another law firm before going to law school. Um, I was a paralegal in the litigation department. So I had exposure to the kind of areas that I was interested in and decided to join the litigation department after law school, um, after my summer experience was um, filled with a lot of good litigation matters that I really liked. Um, And I just wound up in the government enforcement work by nature. Thanks for sharing that interesting background. So it seems that you're in two pretty different practice areas, but you're here as guests together, clearly to talk about a project you're working on together. So why don't you tell us a bit more about that project? Yeah, so Camille and I both work together on Blue Check Charitable Organization. So Blue Check Charitable Organization is a pro bono matter um, that came to the firm in 2022. And Blue Check Charitable Organization is a 501c3 and public charity. So it, it was organized to rapidly deploy, deploy grants to local aid organizations on the front lines of humanitarian disasters. So its current focus is on Ukraine, Turkey, and Syria, and it plans to expand further as needed. So a little bit of extra background about Blue Check. It was formed in early 2022 by, frankly, a heavy-hitting board of directors, which, which includes Liev Schreiber, the actor and activist, and a number of other experienced professionals uh, in the international aid space. They, they asked Ropes to help out, particularly given Camille's team's expertise with international diligence, but also our corporate team's expertise, our you know, deep bench strength and our ability to coordinate and, and assist the, you know, the organization with, with scaling up quickly. 
our pro bono coordinator sent a group email asking for assistance, and I, I got the, the email and answered the call, and the rest is history. In terms of scope, the work on BlueCheck is broad. So a little bit of background on, on what BlueCheck is trying to solve. So some of the most pervasive issues challenging international aid organizations are both ensuring grantees are verified and trustworthy, and also deploying aid rapidly with minimal overhead and administration costs. So how to donate money quickly um, and, and cost effectively. So BlueCheck's model solves for both these issues with ROPE's help. So as an example, Camille's litigation team, uh, as she'll discuss in a moment, verifies grantees. And the corporate team, where I'm located, supports BlueCheck's operations, expansions, and, and corporate governance in a way that ensures that their overhead can be kept very low. So for instance, you know, our corporate team acts as the, the central point of contact and coordinates all things BlueCheck. We worked with a specialist to incorporate the entity, obtain its 501c3 status. We set up its corporate governance structure and we continue to navigate its corporate relationships and partnerships. Things are moving quickly and the organization's growing rapidly and, and things are exciting. So as an associate and as associates generally on pro bono matters, we have a lot of responsibility early on. I've had the chance to work with teams all across ropes from the tax team, the trademark team, IP, debt finance teams, and of course, Camille's team, uh, which very importantly gives BlueCheck the tools to quote unquote, blue check their grantees, which I'll let Camille explain. Yeah, and where the litigation associates come in is we help vet the organizations that Blue Check wishes to donate money to in order to ensure that they are legitimate, actually use the funds in the way that they say they will use them, have individuals leading the organizations that are reliable, not on any sanctions list or otherwise politically exposed, as that's where um, typically bribery and fraud concerns come in. And we generally assess entities for any red flags or adverse findings that we think would be important for Blue Check to know before they send money to the organization. Um, as Jesse said, I initially also got started with this specific matter um, because at the beginning of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the ROPES pro bono team sent an email blast and I raised my hand along with Jesse. Great. That's fascinating. Can you tell us a little more about what attracted you in particular to this project? Do you think it was the subject matter? Was it the type of work? Were you particularly interested in helping in the situation in Ukraine? What made you sort of dive into this project? Yeah, Yoni, thanks for asking. Um, as a summer associate, I actually was involved in a lot of pro bono. Um, I still pride myself on winning the pro bono award during my summer. And I wanted to take that with me when I joined Ropes as an associate, um, it, with an emphasis on my billable matters, of course, but also making sure that I dedicate the free time that I had to pro bono matters. When Russia invaded Ukraine, we got a call to action with the pro bono team and I responded raising my hand and willing to help in any way possible. And since then, it's been a great experience in being able to help on a day-to-day -day basis and feeling like I am actually giving back to people in need and being able to balance my day-to-day -day work with knowing that I'm making an impact. I echo Camille, 2021 and 2022 have been very busy years at the firm and there was a lot of corporate work and, and I was really looking for a way to, to also work on some pro bono matters um, where I felt like I was giving back in a very tangible, you know, interpersonal way. And I actually grew up with, with a large number of, of Ukrainian, um, you know, immigrants to Canada and, and also have some friends who live in Ukraine. So I really felt the, the impact of the invasion and, and I felt really moved by the opportunity to, to get involved and do something very tangible, you know, in addition to the corporate work that I'm doing. So when when the email came across, I immediately, immediately jumped on it and, and tried my best to make sure that I, I could get involved. And, and it's been really rewarding to see, you know, recently we 
we assisted Bluecheck and sending out some grants. And in, 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 in the actual grant agreement, they'll they'll list the the, the initiatives and the things that are that are occurring in Ukraine and and you know where the money's going, what's what's happening with it. And you know, there's there's shelters built, there's tons and tons of food being delivered to folks who are displaced. So it's it's really rewarding uh experience. And, and I'm glad that I got involved. You mentioned a bit, Jesse, in your last answer about having more hands-on responsibility in pro bono matters. Can you expound a bit on what partner involvement is like, what more senior associate involvement is like in pro bono matters generally or in blue check Ukraine specifically? Certainly. So I think from a corporate perspective, you know, at a big law firm, you have certain roles at each at each level that you that you work at at each year of call and, and you know those roles and you perfect them and that's kind of how the system works and it's a fantastic system to learn and it's a fantastic system to ensure that teams work seamlessly together um, what pro bono brings to someone who's in that system is a lot more autonomy at an earlier stage so i i, I suppose i'm kind of a junior mid-level i'm at a fourth year level and and i'm now with blue check I'm I'm responsible to a large extent to for for coordinating, you know, most of the work streams, ensuring that that um, you know work and any questions go to the proper specialist group. I'm I'm responsible for coordinating with the clients and and ensuring you know the partner who is involved but very busy, ensuring that they they know what's going on and that they're signing off on the things that need to be signed off on. But at the same time, and you know, I, I have that autonomy to to draft documents, get involved, and make decisions and and judgment calls, and become a trusted advisor for a client. And, and you know, while while you are a trusted advisor at you know mid level, junior mid level, um, you know, within the firm from a billable work perspective. Uh, to 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 be able to be a trusted advisor, you know, at a kind of a higher level on the pro bono side is is really rewarding, and and it also cues you up to be able to take the next step as you move, you know, each year up in in terms of responsibilities on for your billable work. That's great, Camille. Has your experience been similar? Absolutely. Um, I can say that on Blue Check and my other pro bono matters, which we'll talk about later, um, I've been able to get direct exposure to not only the client, but also just be on a leanly staffed matter with me and the partner where I'm coordinating workflow directly with the client, giving my advice or opinions directly to the client, of course, with partner approval, but having more exposure on a day-to-day basis, moving the matter forward and being able to have more autonomy, as Jesse said, to brainstorm kind of what are the next steps and how can we how can we get there and without so much oversight as my other billable matters, which of course, as Jesse also said, the structure works and it makes a lot of sense as you go up in your years at the firm to have designated responsibilities. And I think the thing that's nice about pro bono work at Ropes is that you're able to kind of level up um, very quickly and kind of assume a more mid-level um, senior role where you otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity for a few years on your billable matters and you're able to hone in on those skills early so when you do kind of bump up to that senior role you're you're really ready um, with all the great things that you learn from the pro bono team thanks I'll, I'll just chime in with my experience I'm also involved in pro bono work though not in blue check Ukraine specifically I do a lot of work with the Dorchester house initiative where we provide uh, support to patients at the Dorchester House on a variety of, you know, housing, immigration, family law matters, where they're referred to us by uh, physicians or others who work in the Dorchester House for the fact that they might have legal issues that they need help with. And so my experience there, which it sounds like is is similar to yours, is that 
the more general lawyering skills that you get to apply in the pro bono sense facilitate an earlier, more active role and more management role, right? You're making the decisions more on pro bono matters. And I think it also allows you then, because of that, to explore areas that are a bit different than what you're doing in your regular practice. So as listeners know, I'm in the asset management group. I mostly do private equity funds-related work, but it's interesting for me to get to think about litigation and housing matters when it comes to my Dorchester house experience. And I get to think about court filings in a way that I don't ever really do on the on my day-to-day side. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, Jesse, you're having the same experience with the overlap between, you know, what you're doing for Blue Check Ukraine on the corporate side, but there also being other pieces. I, I heard you mention 501c3 analysis, which is tax work. And it sounds like there's a really interdisciplinary play on a lot of this work. Absolutely. I agree with you. And a great example is even a few weeks ago, Jesse and I, with my other colleague, Shauna Dusky on Blue Check, were working very closely to draft contract agreements and make sure that was all buttoned up from both the corporate perspective and the litigation perspective, which allowed me to step into Jesse's role and vice versa in terms of figuring out what terms we needed to include, talking with the client, which we both did directly, and kind of relaying those answers and questions straight up to the partner instead of having them be the intermediary. So that kind of ties both the interdisciplinary disciplinary work and also the exposure together. Yeah. And these are real world skills too. You know, these are things that, you know, people come to you as friends and, and, you know, to, to ask questions about one, one example I'm thinking about is there was early on with Blue Check, there was a phishing website set up to, to fish um, donations that should have otherwise gone to Blue Check. And we were able to deal with that pretty quickly, but that's a complicated process and it can take a long time. And so we have expertise internally. We were able to tap into that, but you know, drafting letters and and contacting the ISP and getting them to take down that site. That's a that's a real that's a real step that would be very unlikely you would deal with you know in your corporate work. But you know you know you learn these things and it's a helpful it's a helpful thing to know. And people will come to you asking these questions in the future. So there's real skills that you learn here. A lot of times I get asked why the firm even cares to do pro bono work. Right, we're a for-profit firm, and and why does the firm have a focus on pro bono work? All the things you've said so far are part of it, and they all make up component pieces, right? So you can it gives you the opportunity to flex your more general legal muscles, right, and keep developing skill sets that you that it would be helpful in your regular practice, but might not have opportunities to to flex. And also, of course, we're part of the community, and we care, and we're people, and so it's good for people who work here because we all feel better you know, working on these kinds of pro bono matters. And also we genuinely care and want to be part of the community. And so as part of that, Ropes gives full billable credit for pro bono hours. So your pro bono hours really are just treated like any other legal time, even though the firm isn't getting paid. And we have a pretty robust infrastructure around pro bono matters. I'm not sure if one of you uh, could speak a bit more to you know the team that we have that does pro bono and and how pro bono opportunities are shared within the firm. Yoni, thanks for bringing that up. I think that Rope's pride in pro bono is actually one of the things that first drew me to the firm. And I think a great thing, as you also mentioned, that uh, Rope's credits 100% of our pro bono hours towards your billable credit. Um, and that being said, I think Rope's pro bono team uh, is a very robust team. We just actually hired a new attorney to kind of spearhead different kind of pro bono matters. And new matters are created 
constantly in response to events and crises that happen around the world, um, from the crisis at the Texas border under the Trump administration to the George Floyd murder, to Russian invasion of Ukraine, to the Dobbs decision, to the vast amount of school shootings that occur constantly. Ropes is always partnering with amazing organizations around the world um, that help us kind of spearhead internal pro bono teams and give us the opportunity to work on matters that we care about and that affect our day-to-day -day life. Um, and as we've previously mentioned, they send out listservs and email blasts after every crisis or every kind of big event that happens that people will want to volunteer for. And they get an overwhelming amount of people that volunteer for each mission and each kind of pro bono matter. So that's also been a thing that I've been enjoying a lot at Ropes is that I feel like I'm at a place that kind of has the same values that I do and gives me the opportunity to work on a day-to-day -day basis towards those values in addition to my other billable matters. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Camila. And and I, I think that most, you know, most attorneys would would agree that we have a moral imperative given you know, how fortunate we are to be where we are and what we do and our ability to solve issues, to, you know, to get involved. And it's it's great that ropes really fosters that where you can both do your corporate work or do your litigation work, do the work that you were hired to do, but then also be able to give back. Um, you know, from the same desk and not have to split your your attention. You can you can do it right through the rope system and do real like impactful work. Uh, you know, Roz and her entire pro bono management team, they're incredible and they continue to encourage us to get involved. There's always something to do, whether it's, you know, so a large project like Blue Check, which we've been talking about, which will continue to expand into new crises as as they as they unfold, but also into smaller, you know, one-off things that you can do with a couple hours of time if you are busy. And I know that there's been pretty widespread enthusiasm for pro bono work at the firm. So it's not just that there's, you know, these policies and infrastructure in place, but there's been real uptake. So I know we had 100% participation from the summer associates, but even more generally, I think in 2022, we had something like uh, almost 1300 attorneys who spent more than 20 hours on pro bono matters over the course of the year. Um, so it's pretty uh, widespread, despite what we said about the opportunities to get more involved as a more junior associate, you see really attorneys across the whole spectrum pretty in heavily involved in pro bono work, which which is really fantastic to see. Jesse, you mentioned being able to take the pro bono work at the same time as your billable work. Have you had any challenges trying to balance that or how does that work out in terms of you know marrying the two the two sets of obligations? It certainly can be a challenge. There's no doubt about it. You know, working in law, regardless of what type of law you work in, is challenging because because of client demands. You know, you're in a client-facing environment, whether it's pro bono or otherwise, and so you're reacting many times to these to these requests. And it it, it is hard to carve out time for for pro bono work. It can be, and so that goes to my earlier comment about there being opportunities for for pro bono work that can be one off. Of, of of initiatives where you spend three four hours and and then you're done, but you you can also you can also balance you know larger pro bono projects like Blue Check by you know by by delegating and working with your team and and so that's a skill set that you learn as well. And I think to that point that time allocation is difficult. That that's part of why it's so critical that you get billable credit for it and that there's really strong emphasis in reviews and in your general progress that you be part of the pro bono process because inevitably as an attorney there's 
a million things pulling on your time. And it's just hard to prioritize something if it feels like this is time I could spend on billable batters to get credit for. I've had it brought up in almost every review I've had that I'm active in the pro bono matters and that the firm appreciates that. And that's that goes a long way towards making me want to do it. Obviously, like Jesse said, there's a moral imperative and I feel strongly about doing it. But sometimes even grandiose, larger concepts can be hard to, in practice, materialize into actual time allocation when there's so many things pulling on your time. And so it's critical that the firm shows its attorneys that it values the pro bono efforts just as much as it values billable efforts. I agree with you. I also think it helps as a more junior um, associate going to the mid-level role with time management to have more on your plate, even if it will be a little busy and overwhelming, to be able to learn from from a young age, um, so to speak, how to balance your billable billable paying clients with your pro bono clients and kind of be able to allocate your time as needed and figure out how all the pieces are going to fit in your day-to-day puzzle um, just helps you as you grow to the senior mid-level role and hopefully to the partner role in how to manage all your matters. Yeah, and I think that's a good point generally that when you're junior in particular, it's a great time to put a bunch of pro bono items on your plate just because of time allocation constraints for other people. So when you first join the firm, it will take time to ramp you up and people will want to ramp you up and you'll want to be ramped up, but it will just naturally take time. Whereas pro bono projects have the ability to be more discreet and they roll in more regularly. And so it's easier to just pick up a bunch of pro bono time to fill out your hours. And of course, like we've been saying throughout, it's important to keep doing pro bono throughout. Um, I'm a partner now and I still do pro bono work and it still matters to me, but it was easier when I was a junior, I had more time. And so I just picked up more pro bono work then. And I think that that's part of why it feels like you can really get hands-on experience pretty quickly is because those matters can be taken even when you're a first year and you as a newly graduated lawyer know more still about helping than the alternative options available to the clients. It was really interesting hearing more about our work with Blue Check Ukraine. But as I mentioned, the firm's involved in many other pro bono initiatives as well. Several people in my practice group are pretty heavily involved in the work we do at Rosie's Place, where we help try to get credit relief for women at a homeless shelter here in Boston. Uh, Are you two involved in any other pro bono projects that are particularly meaningful to you? Yes. Um, so I'm involved in a few asylum matters. Um, I actually joined one of these that is still ongoing my first week at the firm, um, and it's been continuing on with success um, for the client. And now we've expanded representation to try to get success for the rest of the family as well. And that's been a really meaningful and impactful matter. Um, I'm fluent in Spanish, so I can actually talk to this client in particular um, in his native tongue. And it's been a very good learning experience for me, not only to get exposure to how our work is so impactful for real families, but also to be able to communicate directly with the client and kind of only updating the partner as needed, but really being able to lead this case on my own and being able to just hear directly from the client how amazing and helpful the Ropes Pro Bono team is um, in making a life life-changing difference for his entire family. Um, so that's a, that's a matter that's near and dear to my heart. And I also help oversee a few other pro bono um, asylum matters as well. And that sounds really rewarding. Is there is there a resolution in sight on that matter that's been going on for three years? 
we've been able to get kind of a permanent status for um, the client and one of his daughters. And he has three other children and his wife that have come over. So we're working on that as well. We're very hopeful. But of course, the asylum process and the process in immigration takes a very long time. So I'll probably still be working on it, continuing on to 2024, but it's looking good so far. And it brings me a lot of joy to be able to see the happiness that it can bring to a family to kind of have a stable life um, here in the United States. Yeah, that's fantastic. I totally echo that. And I think it's really, really important that we get involved in a wide array of pro bono matters because the blue check stuff and the things we've done for um, same-sex marriage and LGBTQ plus rights and all those things are all uh, fantastic, especially the the policy level type work is great, but it can also be super rewarding to just help a real person that you can see in front of you who's having a real problem. And that's what I personally love about my work with the Dorchester House folks is it's fairly indigent clients who sometimes don't even understand what their legal rights are who are having immigration issues or education issues and need an IEP for their child or housing issues. And it it can be unbelievably rewarding when you're able to just step in and help out. And sometimes the help is just being a lawyer's mind, right? And, and writing a letter to their landlord explaining the situation. And because you're separated enough and you're able to just clearly express what the issue is, getting resolution for your client because they're in the right, they're just not good at expressing themselves. Um, it's just hugely rewarding when you have that feeling. Um, and it's a real win-win for everyone, I think. Absolutely. I think it's rewarding and it also puts things in perspective. It's easy to kind of lose sight of our our kind of purpose um, in this world, but also just in the day-to-day um, life sometimes when you're running from calls and meetings and kind of long nights working on other matters. So it really puts things in perspective when I pick up the phone and talk to a client that expresses so much gratitude for what a small thing in your, in your day that you've been able to do, but it really made an impact um, in their whole life. So I really thank Ropes for setting up all these opportunities for us and also I'm really glad that I get to do it on a day-to-day basis. Great. Well, thank you for that. Why don't you tell us what else you like to do on a day-to-day basis? What do you do in your spare time uh, outside of work? I actually recently took up biking around the city. Um, I was very scared and apprehensive to be a city biker um, in kind of a busy, rumbling city, but I took it up and I've now gone to Central Park across the Brooklyn Bridge into Prospect Park. And my goal this summer is to do kind of a bike cookie tour around the city. That sounds awesome. I'm scared to walk in Manhattan. So uh, <laughs> riding a bike there seems uh, seems frightening. How about you, Jesse? Well, like any true uh, Western Canadian, I love to ski and snowboard. So I, you know, actually just got back from visiting family and skiing in Canada uh, with the in in the Rockies with with my family. So that was great. I have a young daughter as well, which keeps me very busy. So I think some of my hobbies and 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 things are going by the wayside to take care of uh, take care of my daughter. But I'm I'm happy to report that she was on her skis last week and she's doing right uh, great. Uh, so I'm sure she'll race by me in the next couple of years. And how is she at hockey? Hasn't been on skates yet. Well, actually, that's not true. She was uh, in Bryant Park once on skates. So so she's doing well. She loves skates. She loves skis. So so true Canadian at heart, but, you know, more and more of a New Yorker every day, actually. 
Thank you, Camille and Jesse, for joining us. It's really been a great pleasure listening to you and your enthusiasm for our pro bono work. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you found this to be a helpful and insightful episode. If there's a specific practice group or area you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to me directly. I'd love to hear from you. If you're a law student or recent graduate who'd like to learn more, please visit our website at www.ropesgrayrecruiting.com or check us out on Instagram at ropesgray. You can subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Please look out for future episodes and share with your friends. Thanks again for listening and see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.